Let's bow in prayer. Our Father in heaven, we gather together on this first day of the week, in the first week of a new year, and Lord, we pause to address the Ancient of Days, a timeless God who was forever before our beginning and will be forever and forever past this day and all others. Lord, we thank you for time, but we thank you for timelessness. And Lord, we ask that our time spent here today in one another's company, but in the presence of your Spirit, may it echo in eternity. May now matter because you are eternal. And may the things that we discuss and learn today and thoughts that we think, thoughts that we share, words that we share with one another of encouragement or hearing news, good or bad, all be taken into account as we consider you the King of kings and Lord of lords. Lord, help stretch our our mind and our thinking around your reality and, and not necessarily ours. And Lord, be pleased in what we say and do, especially as we open your old book and learn what we can know and understand for here and now. We ask this in the strong, eternal name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, it's good to see each of you, and uh, welcome to church on this Lord's Day. Welcome those of you that are in the room and those that are watching by means of, of live stream. Um, I'd ask uh, that you uh, turn in your Bibles to the book of Habakkuk. And uh, that is a departure from where we've been studying for some time in the book of John. Uh, Easter comes early this year in the month of April on the 4th. And we've been studying the book of John for over two years, but we're getting closer toward the end. And in order to make John chapter 20 land on April 4, which is Resurrection Sunday, we need about a month of a break in John's study. Either that or I'm going to need to stretch it a little further than perhaps you may want to endure. So we're going to leave those paragraphs as they are in John, looking at each one at a time uh, once a Sunday. But we'll pick that up in February. Uh, For today, I want to read through the first uh, portion of the book of Habakkuk. That is after Nahum and before Zephaniah. I'm hearing pages still turn. And that's, that's okay. That's, that's normal. It's a short book. And it's deep in the Old Testament. Uh, you can pass right by it. But uh, let me read to you. If you're still looking, that's okay. I doubt any of you have this memorized. And uh, it may be the first time you've heard a message on this part of the book of Habakkuk. If you have, it's likely in the second chapter having to do with verse 4. Habakkuk 2, 4. But this is a prophecy. And verse 1 says, The oracle that Habakkuk the prophet saw. Verse 2, O Lord, how long shall I cry for help? And will you not hear? Or cry to you violence, and you will not save? Why do you make me see iniquity? Why do you idly look at wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention arise. So the law is paralyzed. Justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous. So justice goes forth perverted. Verse 5 is the Lord's answer to this question. Look among the nations and see. Wonder and be astounded. For I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. For behold, I am raising up the Chaldeans, 
that bitter and hasty nation who march through the breadth of the earth to seize dwellings not their own. They are dreaded and fearsome. The justice and dignity go forth from themselves. Their horses are swifter than leopards, more fierce than the evening wolves. Their horsemen press proudly on. Their horsemen come from afar. They fly like an eagle swift to devour. They all come for violence, all their faces forward. They gather captives like sand. At kings they scoff, and rulers they laugh. They laugh at every fortress, for they pile up earth and take it. Then they sweep by like the wind and go on. Guilty men, whose own might is their God. Let's pray once more. Father in heaven, we, we've heard so much about this past year. And we have heard from so many different people, organizations, from our government, from health experts. We've heard from politicians. We've heard from the news outlets. We've heard from publications. We've heard from social media. Lord, today we need to hear from you. And I ask that you do whatever's necessary to just put us in the place where we can listen. And to hear from your word on a Sunday like this, with a fresh year ahead of us. A reminder, not a new one, but an old one. A truth that might be difficult to hear as it was for Habakkuk to hear, but a truth that needs to be heard. And Lord, may we arrange our priorities around your word. Not necessarily around what we think and feel and see and hear right here and now. Lord, be gracious to us. Grant this request. We ask this in your holy name. Amen. Well, if you were with us on Wednesday evening for our Bible study, um, Habakkuk wasn't a surprise to you. Uh, but if not, maybe it is. Maybe the question is justified. Why Habakkuk? Why dig deep into the Old Testament and a minor prophet at that uh, in territory that's unfamiliar uh, in the cold, rainy month of January uh, when we feel like it looks outside? Uh, what what's what's there? There's a lot here, as with any portion of scripture. Uh, I could smart eloquently answer back, why not? Uh, but I hope to give you a, a better, uh, more substantive answer. Um, over the course of of this past year, we've been doing a lot of of listening. Uh, we've been doing a lot of wondering and and guessing. And uh, I'm sure you're not alone if you would confess that at different junctures over the past several months uh, you may have wondered can this year get any worse what else can happen I don't really remember when I noticed people uh, giving 2020 that reputation as the bad year we all hope to forget I think it might have been a t-shirt I saw that said can we get a do-over with 2020 on there and uh, I just, in in looking over things and, uh, you know, sitting around over the new year, if, if you're watching or listening to anything, there, it's always a year in review. Um, but looking at it all in one pile does seem to give some reference. Uh, what seemed to dominate the headlines at the beginning of the year were no different than any other year. We're not really paying attention just yet. Again, 2020 hadn't gotten that ugly reputation yet. At the beginning, it was uh, fires in Australia that seemed to have the headlines to start with. And there were lives lost and animals lost and property lost. And fires are always a bad thing. Uh, it's different to hear from them in another part of the world. But uh, brush fires instead of forest fires. And that was a serious problem. Uh, what seemed to steal the headlines from that serious problem was the breaking news that uh, 
Megan and Harry are leaving the royal family. And uh, what difference that would make. I'm sure if you're from the other side of the pond, it has more significance than here. I'm sure that they look at our news and laugh, and we look at their news and laugh. Uh, But that quickly seemed to fizzle when the news from Wuhan started to spread that we've got an actual new virus we don't know anything about. It's contagious. It seems to have come from bats, maybe, or this wet market where people eat things that we would point at in zoos or museums in bottles. Um, But it got scary there pretty quick when we heard that it had come on airplanes and people are getting infected And then horrible news from Italy with rising death counts and not enough machines to help people out. And that's when I think we thought this is this is going to be bad. Uh, It wasn't long after that. Then we're in the middle of another impeachment trial, which ended with acquittal. But it's still always something to watch and wonder how's this going to turn out. Uh, We had the worst single day point drop for the U.S. stock market. And it's at all times high, so percentage-wise, it wasn't as bad as it sounded as far as the actual point count. But nobody likes to listen to uh, the sound of their 401k uh, fizzling or, or evaporating. Then there were the nationwide protests and violence and shootings and murders. Uh, and the legitimate claim of racial inequality. Uh, Different parts of the nation felt this in different ways. Different types of people from different lines of work looked at it in different ways, but it was tough. Uh, A lot of it caught us by surprise. Maybe it shouldn't have. Um, And it's funny how the... The headlines just seem to go up and down, serious, unserious, tragic, and scandal. And uh, there was that time where for about 20 days we thought the leader of Korea was dead. But he really wasn't. He was just hiding. That was headlines for a while. And then there were the murder hornets. You remember the murder hornets? Big, long hornets that stand at the entryway of bee hives and cut them in half with these big mandibles. And it's something certainly to laugh about and make fun of them. But if you've ever kept bees, I tried. I had 12 hives at one point. And I saw something that looked like a murder hornet. It was a lot smaller. But watched him decimate an entire hive. And uh, I don't know if you paid attention, but if the bees... Get wiped out. We won't be able to eat. It's just their job that God gave them. So again, 2020, what else is next? Well, there were more fires in California. And then the past few months were given over to our national sport, electing a president. And what that seemed to confirm, at least for me, was about Uh, Half and half, you know, half the nation thinks this way, half the nation thinks the other. Uh, Neither half is willing to learn anything, much less uh, cooperate with the other. That just seems to be the extent of it. I wonder if any of the elections will be anything but close uh, from here on out. But that seems to be over, and we get a fresh new year. So why study Habakkuk? Because this guy had the guts to actually ask God, why? And I don't know how many times you ask the question, why? I know how many times I ask the question, uh, how long? <laughs> Didn't you? Or maybe, uh, how many times did you say the words, I don't know? That's the one I think I just shattered the roof with a record. I don't know. Uh, when should we gather again i don't know when can we do that safely i don't know should we wear a mask or not i don't know um are you going to go shopping i don't know can you find toilet paper i don't know i don't know i don't know i don't know we haven't really known much of anything 
But this guy Habakkuk, the Old Testament prophet, it was a different set of uncertain times and unprecedented circumstances. That's how all the emails, all the memos, all the bulletins, all the signs on all the stores, they all had the same thing. During these unprecedented times. Well, these were different unprecedented times. Uh, about two and a half millennia ago, about 600 years before the birth of Christ, Habakkuk looked out on the culture of Judah that was drowning in sin and idolatry and asked God two gutsy questions. Why do you tolerate this? And how long will you continue to let it go unpunished? So whether or not you think that 2020 was punishment on a sinful world or not, uh, the world is sinful just the same. And the Lord has been long-suffering just the same. All those questions are left unanswered. But I'd be interested in hearing from a guy who had the guts to actually deal more honestly with God than I think most Christians are. You might be willing to ask how long, but are you willing to ask God why? And He can take it. But He's going to be our model, Habakkuk that is, for the next few weeks. Um, God's answer to him would shock him. We'll find that out in the weeks to come. Uh, some of that today. But the book is going to end with his response which is awe and wonder in the face of an all-powerful and all-knowing God. That should be ours as well. So let's start with an introduction. Yay, an introduction. Everybody loves introductions. Well, think of this one uh, in terms of visiting Habakkuk, where Habakkuk lived in Judah, uh, in between the fall of the northern tribes and before the fall of the southern tribes. And let's visit him there before we expect him to come visit us here in Fuquay and make any sense. Don't you think that that's probably the gentleman's way to study the Bible? Rather than uh, presumptuously switching those and expect Habakkuk to uh, make total sense to us right here and now. Uh, we can look backward, but he couldn't look forward. So a little bit of introduction will serve us well. And uh, some of you who were with us Wednesday night, you get the, uh, the uh, behind the scenes. You've got some information already. But uh, Habakkuk is one of 16 prophets. If you look in your Bibles at the prophets, there's numerous prophets. Major prophets, those are the big ones. Minor prophets, those are the shorter books. They're equally as important. And uh, some of them... Uh, wrote more than one, but there are 16 named prophets. This is the prophet Habakkuk. There were more prophets in the Old Testament, like, say, Nathan. He didn't get a book of his own, but we know what he did when he rebuked David, the king. Um, what is a prophet? What do they do? Well, think of them as a spokesman who speak to God's people a word from the Lord. God gives them a message. They deliver it to the people. Uh, it wasn't always to the people of Israel. Jonah delivered his message to those inhabitants of Nineveh, Assyrians. And uh, sometimes the prophets had messages for different people groups. But really they're recorded in the Bible. Uh, they are for the purpose of God's covenant people. And uh, this one is the same. Covenant, though, is important. I mentioned that. God's covenant people. And um, it's important to know that as God dealt with people, His created beings, through the pages of Scripture, things change. His way of dealing with people. And the Garden of Eden is just Adam and Eve. Uh, but by the time we get to Abraham, He's chosen a specific group of people yet to be born to be His people. He will be their God and he's going to bless the rest of the nations through that group of people. The man's name is Abram, means father of many, uh, and changed to Abraham, father of a multitude. He doesn't have any kids, big problem. And there's Isaac, and then Jacob. Jacob has 12 sons, 12 tribes of Israel. And by the time you get here, there's a lot of Hebrew people. 
And the role of the prophet was to remind the people of God the agreement they have with their God. And we could go into a lot of detail as to the pieces of the covenant. But basically it amounts to blessings and cursings. If you obey me, I will bless you. If you disobey me, I will curse you. And for the most part, when the people heard this, they say this is great. But for the most part, over the decades and millennia of history, they broke that covenant. Their leaders, their kings, uh, they led them astray. Namely, into idolatry. And the prophet's job at this point was to come remind them, Hey, you've already been told. You disobey, you'll be cursed. You obey, you'll be blessed. You must repent before disaster happens. Usually it was three-pronged. There was accusation, there was a call for repentance, and then there was this prophetic uh, warning of disaster if they don't turn from their wicked ways. That's similar in Habakkuk with one major caveat I'll get to here in just a moment. Um, Who is Habakkuk, the prophet? And in this case, for this book, for this man, that's really all we know. All we know, we read right in verse 1, the oracle that Habakkuk, the prophet, saw. Habakkuk was a prophet. That's all we know. We don't know what his name means or who his parents were. Or any of the specifics other than what he's contained here in this this book. Background is is zero. Is that a problem? No. Uh, The New Testament writers think a lot of this man and his message. And that's the key. Uh, In verse 1 it says oracle. Your translation may say burden. The burden of Habakkuk. Habakkuk. Always need to make sure we understand the difference between a man's biography and a man's burden if they are a man of God. The biography is one thing. The burden is another. The burden is God's word, which really up against the biography means everything. The biography means nothing. Do you remember all the trouble uh, we came across in the early chapters of John's gospel when the people from Jerusalem are out trying to figure out who this John the Baptist is. Are you the prophet? Are you Moses? Are you any... And what did he say? No, I'm not him. I'm not him. And finally he just said, here's what I'll give you for your paper, your bulletin, or whatever you need to write down on. I'm a voice crying in the wilderness. You listen to the message. Don't worry about who I am. Same with any pastor these pastors with these big personalities uh, you should look sideways at that Jesus had no reputation why should any of the people that claim to preach his name have one now you do of course have people you know and of course you have to no one wants to go to a a, a church where uh, the pastor calls himself uh, the one formerly known as Isaac Mooneyham. He's now nobody because he thinks that's cute. Understand what's meant by that, okay? The message is, is everything. The messenger's only a messenger. So when, when we're looking at who's this Habakkuk and find out we don't know, that that's not that big a deal. We do know that he was a near contemporary to Nahum. That's another minor prophet. About 10 to 12 years difference between Nahum's writings and Habakkuk's writings. What happened between those two are what's significant. You remember Jonah and the Assyrians and Nineveh, their number one enemy. Jonah had nothing to do with them to begin with because he knew how cruel and awful Nineveh was. Well, Nineveh has fallen. That's what Nahum is excited and praising the Lord over. Well, what Habakkuk is going to be writing about is Assyria and Nineveh's replacement, Babylon. So where Nahum is able to rejoice, our worst enemy is dead. Habakkuk has to tell the people, our next worst enemy is coming. Where Assyria took off the northern tribes, Babylon's going to take off the southern tribes. You know, Daniel 
Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, taken captive, given Babylonian names. That's all about to take place. And Habakkuk is the one who sees the vision. So Habakkuk, and here's that caveat that's different of all the other prophets. All the other prophets go immediately into preaching. Listen up. Here's the word given to the prophet such and such. Uh, Thus saith the Lord. Habakkuk is different. Habakkuk is actually talking to God. And then God is talking to Habakkuk. But we don't see Habakkuk addressing the people. So technically what you have uh, is a prophet. Most of those spoke on behalf of God to the people. But this one is speaking to God on behalf of the people. It's backward. Instead of speaking to the people on God's behalf, he's speaking to God on the people's behalf. Make sense? That's what Habakkuk is doing. And we're going to find that like Job, Habakkuk's not going to be happy with God's plan. And of concern to Habakkuk are important questions that are of concern to us. If God is a good God and a holy God and a just God, how can he let this stuff happen? Why didn't God keep his people from this? Why didn't he keep them from idolatry? Why can't he keep his people closer to him than they are? And how in the world can God use violence to correct violence? Put that in your situational ethic pipe and smoke it. Have fun with that at the university. 20-somethings in school. You're going to find that the Old Testament is specifically not popular with modern thinking. Because how in the world are, are we supposed to say to our children that two wrongs never make a right, but it looks like that's what God's doing here? Big questions. And no simple answers. Habakkuk is upset about it. And we probably will be too. But before it's all over, we'll put our hand over our mouth. Kind of like Job did. And hopefully we'll look in awe at this God who's got it all under control. We're going to find that Habakkuk is much more honest than most religious people are. Because he's got the guts to ask questions that most Christians aren't comfortable asking. We're also going to find out that he's much more faithful than a secular person. So we don't know exactly where to categorize this guy. He's got more more guts than Christians. But more faith than the lost. Well, let's start reading. Verse 1, the oracle that Habakkuk the prophet saw. That's verse 1. That's kind of the setup. There's a couple of things we can learn in here in addition to the fact that Habakkuk was a prophet, which is all we know about him. But look at the word oracle and look at the word saw. The word oracle, we already covered this kind of, is a burden. It's something that is shouldered as a responsibility. Um, You ever heard anybody say, I don't want to be a burden to you? They feel like they're adding to your responsibilities. Ever described your being a parent as a burden? Well, yeah, it's a responsibility. Uh, For this guy... It seems that Israel is going to pot. And that would be an insult to pots. And nobody cares. He cares. He's asking the Lord if he cares. So yeah, it's a burden to him. Shouldered as a responsibility. A word from the Lord that he's got to get off his chest. uh, Jeremiah described it as fire shut up in his bones. He's got to talk about it. And probably few, if any, understand him. The last word of the sentence, saw, is just a reminder that this is not Habakkuk's own invention. This is what he saw from the Lord. This is the Lord's message. So here's his complaint, verse 2. O Lord, how long shall I cry for help and you will not hear, or cry to you violence and you will not save? So we we need to do a little bit of... of, uh, Digging around to find out what he means by these things. What's he upset about? If you know a little bit about Israel's timeline of history, that might help as well. But basically, he's upset because of a discrepancy between the God Habakkuk thinks he knows in Scripture 
and what he's seeing with his eyes. And he thinks more of his God than to let happen what he's seeing with his eyes. God is disappointing him. And he's looking for an answer because it doesn't make sense to him. Uh, Judah's former king. And if you remember this from Sunday school, there were 12 tribes of Israel. And then they wanted a king, right? There was Saul first. He was a people's choice. Wrong choice. Bad move. Then there was David, the man after God's own heart. Well, David's son Solomon took them to the pinnacle of their wealth and uh, the national uh, whatever. But he had a lot of wives. And he only had half a heart for God. And then his two boys, Jeroboam and Rehoboam, split that kingdom Ten in the north and two in the south. They had lots of kings, good ones and bad ones. But it seems as though the two southern tribes, Judah and Benjamin, did a little better a little longer. And there's about 150 or so years between their downfall and the northern ten tribes' downfall. Assyria's already wiped out the top ten tribes. The lower two tribes are still hanging on. And with their last king... Not last, but former. Josiah. He was a good king. He actually brought in reforms and got the the nation on the edge of revival. But when he died, it seemed that was the end of God's hand on that group of people. Um, Wicked king Jehoiakim. uh, Sounds like a wicked name. He actually killed a prophet. To silence his message. To do what he wanted to do. The writing's on the wall. And what Habakkuk is looking at. Is a collapsing economy. Diminishing productivity. Food shortages. Confusion. Violence. Social injustice. Corrupt leadership. And a wholesale disregard for God's law. All that stuff can be pulled out of what he's describing here. And these are not Judah's enemies he's talking about. He's talking about God's chosen people. And this, of course, is not what God had in mind. They're not keeping up their end of the covenant. So something has to give. Verse 2 was a question. How long? Verse 3 is about why. Here's where we see two uses of the word why. Which is actually calling God's tolerance into question. Look at it. Verse 3. Why do you make me see iniquity? Don't you see it? It's as if he's saying... Why do you look idly at wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention. That's three pairs of words. You got iniquity and wrong, destruction and violence, strife and contention. And as a result, look at verse 4. The law is paralyzed. Justice never goes forth. The wicked surround. Or, or Hey, in all the movies when somebody says, we're surrounded, what does that mean? You're outnumbered. The wicked outnumber the righteous, so justice goes forth perverted. They're in control. They, they move the goalposts, change the rules. Now, how many of you think, uh, and you might need to think back a few generations to get a, you know, a, a, a baseline. How many of you think we're trending that way? Uh, afraid so. Now, what Habakkuk is doing here. Is classified as a lament. There are psalms of lament. And uh, actually some of what we see in Habakkuk is much more like the book of Psalms than it is like the other prophecies. But it's described as a passionate expression of grief and sorrow. Um, here it's also important to make another distinction. Uh, when we're talking about a lament, if you're not paying close attention, you might not notice the difference between groaning and grumbling. Do you know the difference between groaning and grumbling? We got both those words in the Bible. Uh, Paul talks about the earth groaning under the curse of sin, waiting for restoration, right? But then we hear about children of Israel grumbling in the wilderness because they don't have food they were used to eating. God has a plan for one and no time for the other. Habakkuk is groaning here. Now, it it sounds gutsy, but it's groaning because the ultimate purpose for his 
Anger even questions are God's righteousness, not his personal agenda. That seems to be clear. However, if we were to take stock, maybe uh, if we could figure out somebody to have kept a report card on us from January 1st, 2020 to December 31st, how would we score? Groaning or grumbling? I'd have both. I'll just go ahead and tell you. And I don't want to see the mix. I'm sure it was all over the place. There was plenty of grumbling. There was groaning. Um, we, we suffered some loss of some things that are important to us here. We, we approach them in different ways. And uh, there's certainly no reason to call foul as far as our God is concerned. I don't think Habakkuk is doing that here either. But sure, these questions that we all ask, how long and why? That, that, that's If you want to just circle words and highlight them and maybe draw arrows to it and some stars around it. For this part of the passage, how long and why? That, that's, that's the drama out of here. And we ask that all the time. And I'm sure we've asked that about uh, COVID. But we ask it when we're in line at the drive-thru. And, and, and we say, how long is this going to take? Why, why is it like this? I just don't understand. Um, and we betray our lack of patience and, and everything else. Here, Habakkuk is groaning over the justice of God. It's bad enough if it looks like nobody cares. He's basically asking if God is among them. Do you care? Now, Habakkuk gets a response. We'll pick up the pace here because next week we'll look more about this than we will this week. But I think it's important to not only hear the question, but the way God answers. Perhaps you've got a little paragraph heading there above verse 5. It might say the Lord's answer. Um, look at verse 5. Look among the nations and see... And wonder and be astounded, for I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. Habakkuk's not going to get the answer he was looking for. It's going to be a shock. It's going to be, uh, it's going to be a devastation. It's going to take a while to take it in. And uh, if you pay attention, there are four imperatives here that make this answer right out of the gate abundantly clear. Look, see, wonder, be astounded. I'm going to do something that you wouldn't believe if told. You're going to have to see it because it's far going to surpass your expectations. You think I'm not doing anything. You have no clue. I'm doing something and it's not what you would expect. Look at verse 6. For behold, I am raising up the Chaldeans. Who are the Chaldeans? They're the Babylonians. Chaldeans uh, were actually a Semitic group of people that rose to power in Babylon and basically took it over and from that point on are referred to as the Babylonians. But let's get a description of these people. Who are the Babylonians? A bitter and hasty nation, that's in verse 6, who march through the breadth of the earth to seize dwellings not their own. So they're going to lose their property. Someone's going to take it. They are dreaded and fearsome. Their justice and dignity go forth from themselves. They make their own rules. Our law and order means nothing to them. They'll throw it away. All 200 plus years of it doesn't matter to them. I'm speaking if this was given to America. Their horses are swifter than leopards, more fierce than the evening wolves. Their horsemen press proudly on. Their horsemen come from afar. This is all a description of their weaponry. Now we're looking at horses and wolves and eagles. Those are animals. But you, this is a way you would describe military might that was totally insurmountable and would wipe out anything in its path. They all come for violence. Their faces are for. They gather captives like sand. Uh, 
Is that there to make us remember that God told Abram that your descendants will number the sand of the seashore? And then God, who gave him those descendants, is going to send Babylon to gather them up. At kings they scoff, at rulers they laugh, they laugh at every fortress, they pile up the earth and take it. These are the type of people that, you know, parade their their uh, uh, intercontinental ballistic missiles just to have a party. Um, they laugh at everybody else. Then they sweep by like the wind and go on. But here's what I want you to see at the end, and we'll save 12 till next week. These are guilty men whose might is their God. These are godless men who are guilty men. They'll not go unpunished. No more than Judah will go unpunished. No one goes unpunished. But God's going to use them as part of the punishment. And we'll pick up Habakkuk's response to God's answer next week. But the time we've got left, um, what does this mean? What, what, what do we do with it? That, that was then. Um, what about now? Well, here's some things that we can pull out of here uh, that we can use. And I'll leave you with one that I think kind of covers them all. But if you're making notes, uh, number one, it's not wise to judge the plans of God by how things look from your present situation. And I'm, oh, I think we all did that last year. We're, we're, we're trying to figure out what to do. We're asking why and how long. There's nothing wrong with that. But to make judgments, to paint your picture of God's faithfulness by something you can see here and now when, as we discussed this morning, he, He's timeless. There's more going on than just 2020 or 2021 or the United States. I mean, good grief. There's some people that think they see it in Revelation. Most people think they don't. Um, don't judge the plans of God by how things look from your present situation. Number two, honestly take your complaints to the only place that will do them any good. That's a good lesson from Habakkuk. Um, It's kind of, it's kind of one of those things that I, I, I do, I, I do feel that those of us who spent all our time growing up in a Christian home, I don't, I don't know, but how comfortable certain people want to feel by just asking God a flat-out why question. You're not supposed to do that, are you? Habakkuk is not condemned for it. Neither were other men. Remember, there's a difference between groaning and grumbling. Uh, there's been a lot of complaining going on in 2020. Uh, but I've been around a few people that just seem to be even keel right through it. And I know them well enough to know that they're complaining too. But in their closet where it's okay. To a God who can handle it. And evidently gives them something to let them get through it a little better than the rest of us with our hands in the air. Screaming like the sky's falling. Number three. Know that God always takes sin seriously. And the point here is that. Habakkuk is learning that this time when God answers it's not going to be with salvation but with judgment. And God always punishes sin. When he gave death to those he gave life, it was because of sin. And if you wonder whether or not God's serious about sin, you just look at the cross. That's what it cost for him to take care of it for those who would trust him by faith. So Assyria was judged. Babylon will be judged. Rome was judged. Israel was judged. Judah was judged. America is likely to be judged. In fact, if you want to just get real uh, wide-angle view here, 
just about every nation does what Assyria did, Babylon did, Rome did. They all get too big for their britches and they destroy themselves. The things they gather together to rule themselves like law and order are thrown away and they crumble. That's just the way history seems to happen in a world plagued by sin. And until the sin is removed by the one who came to take away the sin of the world, how can it not continue? Number four, know that God's forbearance allows for His grace to be received. So if you got someone in your face saying, I don't know much about your God that lets stuff like this happen, you can lovingly tell them, well, God has done something. He offered up His own Son and crushed Him in our place so that we could have forgiveness and access to the Father eternally. That's what He's done. And He is doing something else. He's waiting for you and anyone else to receive that good news and trust Him by faith. So don't begrudge the Lord's forbearance. As He waits while the world worsens, there's time for people to believe Him. Do you have kids in this world? Aren't you glad God's patient? Maybe your kids are saved. Well, you probably think, well, let's just go to heaven now. Well, there are other people's kids who aren't saved. And I'm glad he's in charge of the trumpet. And when he blows it, there's still people that can hear. And there's still prophets who'll speak. Not like this. But there's the general variety who preach and teach God's word undiluted and clearly. So that people will repent. So what Habakkuk is going to teach us, what he realizes is that nothing will escape the judgment of God. The only escape for God's judgment is through His Son, Jesus Christ. Habakkuk didn't know those details, but sure do we. And as such, this book takes on an even greater meaning. So the bottom line, you can take all four of those and basically just say, what is Habakkuk all about for us today? Well, since the day of Habakkuk, before the day of Habakkuk, till today and after today, is still about trusting God in difficult times, even impossible times. We're going to get next week to 2-4. How shall we then live? The just will live by faith. We'll spend a lot of time on that. How are we going to get through this? By faith. Let me tell you something that might help you. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe you already know it. Maybe you'd rather wish it wasn't true. I'm, I'm 42 years old, older than I have been, not as old as I hope to be. Um, but I've already determined that life's not going to get any easier. And I don't think that matters if it's now or when Habakkuk lived. Uh, because of sin, it, it, it beats us up. Until we find ourselves in our Lord's arms. Um, I don't know why I wanted to believe when I was a kid that life would get easier. If I can just get to high school. I can be a lot cooler than I am now. If I can just get a car. If I can get married. If I can have children. If I can get this retirement thing set. So I don't have to worry about that. And... Every time you think you've made an achievement and you find out something else is unraveled behind you. Then you wake up and something hurts. Um, or something needs to be cut out. Or something needs to be put back on. I, I, I don't know. Um, things that you thought you could have confidence in evaporate people you could count on people that taught you everything you know are asking you for help or people that taught you a lot but are gone now or people that are close to you that are sick and won't get better um, or losing someone altogether saying goodbye 
or losing a pregnancy or several. Uh, life gets tougher. And that's, I'm an optimist. I like to wake up with a smile. But I, th- I, th- I think this year has helped solidify even more than not. Um, this whole life is a gift from God. It's for keeps. And you have the opportunity to align yourself with eternity or just waste it all complaining. This is just the practice. This is, this is the hard part. The easy part is later in eternity and a life created the way God meant for it to be before the test of sin was allowed to be a possibility, which we failed only to see that he's incapable of failure. So how do we get through all this? Day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year, decade by decade, through the ordinary means of grace. Prayer, Bible reading, encouraging one another, time in your closet with the Lord, learning little by little that you can trust Him, that when all this is gone, He won't just still be here. You'll know He's all that's everything. We'll trust Him. We'll number our days. I think this year helped, like David read, to number our days. And get full use out of them. Knowing that. uh, God is able to be trusted. For a number of reasons. But this one's a big one for me. He's willing to allow me to hurt. In order to know him better. I don't know if you've ever thought of it that way. We learn it from Jonah. We learn it from Habakkuk. We learn it from life. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for a new year. We thank you for a new study through a little book that's very old. But we thank you for timeless truths. Lord, we're going to have to learn to trust you with everything, including our hurt, our sorrow, our, our anxiety, our fear. Are big questions that have no simple answers. We're going to have to hold on to the idea that everything that is said through the Christmas and Easter story is true. And because it's true, there's a forever after this. And we can know you and we can spend that eternity after with you. Without this old body and without the sin that besets it. But we're going to have to trust you. On your terms. By your word. Lord give us the. The guts. Give us the patience. Give us the kindness to look into one another's eyes. And love one another. and Encourage one another. and Be there for one another. And Lord may we be. So privileged. To be found useful to you. In your grand scheme of things. Lord, we thank you for time together and time in your word. We ask all this in your precious name. Amen.